Podcasts are pretty common. So what makes the Uncommon Podcast uncommon? Well, it's all in our name. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and we at Uncommon Sports Group understand the unique pressures and temptations that come with a career in the sport industry. We provide uncommon training that helps you successfully navigate common challenges. Hit the follow button on this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Check out our website and become uncommon. What's going on, USG fam? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncommon Podcast. I'm excited to welcome Uncommon Sports Group, formerly Managers on a Mission, veteran and University of Houston, Assistant Athletics Director for Equipment Operations, Andrew Johnson, onto the podcast today. Andrew began his journey in the equipment room as a student equipment manager during his undergraduate years at Oklahoma State University and has since served as an equipment manager in the NFL with the New York Jets for four seasons and as the Director of Equipment Operations at Texas State University for five seasons before his recent transition to his role with the University of Houston. Andrew got involved with Manders on a mission in 2017 when he traveled to Mizuzu, Malawi on a mission trip and recently Andrew joined Uncommon Sports Group on another international trip to Israel. Andrew, thanks for taking the time to join me today. Glad to be here. Glad to, glad to be able to spend some time with you and talk today. Absolutely, brother. And, you know, Andrew, I mentioned this in the intro. I think a cool part of your story is you have been in the equipment room since your undergrad years at OSU as a cowboy, as a football student equipment manager. So to share with me, what led you to pursue a career in the equipment room full time after that initial experience? So a lot of people don't know about my my initial background. I actually started in athletic training uh, in junior college. So I got a shout out. College, junior college you yeah. know they got a lot of publicity with jimmy butler in the finals this year and stuff like that but yeah. uh yes yeah, so i actually started out in the support staff industry in athletic training and uh i call it my discount degree <laughs> I, uh, I got my associates in athletic training from there and then yeah. uh transferred to oklahoma state um but at the time that i transferred they were kind of changing how the program was set up between undergrad and graduate and uh, just kind of missed that opportunity. And uh, my dad and Coach Gundy uh, knew each other. So Coach Gundy uh, got me a volunteer spot in the equipment room at, mm-hmm. at Oklahoma State and kind of just went in, uh, head down, grinding and uh, worked into a paid position and mm-hmm. ended up liking it more than uh, athletic training and uh, ended up sticking with that and 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 became a student manager there and the rest is history that's awesome Andrew. I, I did not know that you were in athletic training so that's a little fun fact that i did not know so that's that's good to hear that and andrew i think what's cool is after your experience as an undergraduate equipment manager you, you spent four seasons in the nfl with the new york jets that's no small thing as both a seasonal equipment manager and as an uh, equipment assistant so my question is how did you stand out in that hiring process for that initial position i know there's only so many equipment rooms in the NFL, so many positions. How did you stand out? And then what was the biggest difference between college and professional in terms of the equipment operation? So just to uh, talk a little bit about that process, um, you know, 
like I said, 32 teams, not all teams bring in interns. So it is a very selective process. And mm. I, I found out how selective it was after I joined the staff and we were picking interns and stuff like that. Um, but I would say uh, talking to the people when I was there about kind of what stood out with my resume is I followed up my email resume with an actual physical copy you know, in a binder, all this stuff that I, I sent oh, yeah. into them. So yeah. uh, they kind of just said that that stood out against the crowd. Nobody else had done that that year. So uh, mine was one of the ones that they had, had taken and put to the side and was like, we we want to bring this guy here. Mm. Uh, so shout out Brendan Berger out of the, yeah. the L.A. Rams. He was actually the one who first brought me up there, him, Jim, Gus, those guys at the Jets. Uh, so a big thank you to them. Um but, you know, once again, just got there, worked hard hmm. uh, as a training camp intern, came back to Oklahoma State, graduated, and uh, they called me back to come be a seasonal. And uh, same thing, uh, had my first year with Rex Ryan as head coach, and then uh, second year Coach Bowles came in. And, hmm. uh, you know, obviously people just recognize when you do a good job and stuff like that, and they ended up promoting me to a full-time position. So, hmm. uh really blessed to be in the right place at the right time. But, uh, you know, also with a good group of people that, that, uh, allowed me to stay on staff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Andrew. And I think that's really cool. They even hear that they called you back. Uh, obviously I think out of all the jobs in sports equipment is the, the one where it's more effort based is, is how you kind of get noticed. Right. So putting in the hours, uh, making sure you're doing your best work. And, and really, I think, uh, just not saying no, to, to the opportunities and tasks that you, you're given. So I think that's a huge part of it. And, and kind of, a I think, a unique aspect of your journey is you have been in both the college and the in the professional world. How would you compare those two, just considering the difference between the magnitude of the athletes you work with, right? You're working with millionaires and you're working with college students. How does that differ in terms of your role as an equipment manager? Yeah, so it's it's been kind of a roller coaster back and forth. Uh, obviously, when I first got to the NFL, I recognized how much of a business it truly was because you know you could be talking to a guy, you know, one minute and ten minutes later he's cut or uh, traded, and mm. it doesn't matter how good he is. It's just, I mean, a guy might get cut because we had a receiver go down and they need a new receiver. So mm. now this this D lineman or this running back's got to go. So mm. uh, definitely open your eyes to how much of a, a business it was in a numbers game. Mm. Uh, but comparable to college, you know, now with NIL and stuff like that, like the college game is changing. It's becoming more of a, mm. a professional game with the, the players and them being able to, you know, get yeah. deals and, and stuff like that. And it's almost like free agency, mm. which is <laughs> it's just hilarious. But, yeah. uh, you know, the main difference is, in the NFL, like I said, it's a business. You got grown men coming in. They're doing mm. a job. Everybody always asks, you know, what's it like being around the guys? And it's truly, you know, most of them are down to earth. Uh, you don't have problems out of them. You, the, the millionaires act just like the guys that are on practice squad. Mm. Uh, you know, in this profession, you learn to deal with a lot of different personalities and stuff yeah. like that. So you're always going to have your guys that you got to treat a little bit different uh, mm. versus the other ones. But that main difference between college and NFL is, you know, in the college game, a little more so in the older days than now, because with the transfer portal, people go anywhere. You'd see an 18-year-old kid walk in the door, 
and you know four or five years later you see a man leave mm. you know with a degree yeah. and, and stuff like that yeah. um so i'd say the the connection and kind of like the person building aspect of college is a little different than the mm. nfl because that kind of progressed in who they are as a person and, and mm. stuff like that at that age rather than you know a freshman coming into college yeah that's what's well said andrew and i think that's a big difference right between the business side of of the nfl and yeah just how expendable players are i, I think that's, that's a tough part working in a relational industry like like the sports world um, but even that college side where you get typically you know four years with a guy and get to see them mature and, and be a part of that journey so yeah i think that's that's a good way to describe it right a business and then more so of um, being a part of development of, of four years of watching a guy come through you know andrew i think too tough part about equipment is obviously nobody wakes up knowing everything about the the responsibilities, right? There's a lot that goes into it, a lot that I don't know, a lot that you do know, obviously being in the role you're in. So how were you able, for, for the young professionals listening that are desiring to work in that, how were you able to learn the responsibilities that came with that role and to do it with excellence? I would say that it's a evolving game, evolving knowledge, stuff like that. I mean, some of the people that taught me the equipment that I know uh, mainly my guys at Oklahoma State, West, Justin Chief, they'll, mm. they'll forget more about equipment than I'll ever know. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, just always being willing to listen and learn and uh, just it's hard for us sometimes to accept the fact that we don't know everything. Mm. Uh, I'm definitely one of those people. Like, I like to feel like I got it all figured out and I know what's going on and I know how to handle it. But I would just say in being a sponge, like, mm take advice, uh, be able to look, listen, learn, uh, reach out to other people, ask questions. Uh, mm. There's a lot of people in this profession that are willing to help and want to see people succeed. So I would just say your willingness to to learn and mm. accept criticism and critique. Like, you know, people don't like to be told what's wrong sometimes, but yeah, well. uh, at the end of the day, a lot of times it'll help you if you just accept it. So um, I'd say that that's the biggest part of it. That's well said, Andrew. And really, I think out of any job in sports, maybe any job ever, I think being an equipment manager takes a lot of humility um, because it's service. At the end of the day, it's it's service and it's learning and it's it's being a part of a larger organization that is achieving a goal. You're, you're a part of that, right? But to your point, being willing to take criticism, being willing to be wrong, um, and then being willing to serve or things that come to my mind, at least of, yeah, it, it's a job of humility. Um, so I love, I love that about it though. I think that's what makes it unique is it is a job of humility with, with a lot of reward in that. So thanks for with, sharing. With, with that though, you know, you, you also have to know what you know and yeah. people challenge you on it. If you, if you know truly that, I mean, you know what you're talking about and you're in your field and you know, that's a big part of it too. So Absolutely. it's just, uh, being present and on top of your game, as I call it. Absolutely. Being confident in who you are and what you know. That's well said. And Andrew, I kind of want to shift here to to your faith. Obviously, you, you've been involved with Uncommon Sports Group since 2017, as I mentioned. And during your, your four years with the Jets, you did go on a, a summer mission trip to Malawi uh, with managers on a mission at the time. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. What was the impact of that experience on your personal relationship with Christ and then how did you bring that experience back into the equipment room the next season? 
Um, I would say that's probably one of the most life-changing events uh, I've been a part of. Mm. Um, you know, getting to meet those kids over there and just, you know, I grew up in the church. My dad's a pastor. Uh, my mom's a church musician. Mm. Uh, you know, been around church my whole life. Yeah. And those kids could run circles around me in Bible <laughs> knowledge, scripture knowledge. Yeah. Their, their ability to pray. I mean, it's some of the best prayers I've ever heard in my life. And uh, it's just amazing to see like how God works through, you know, those kids and stuff like that. And we went there thinking we were going to have such an impact on them. And, you mm-hmm. know, we left <laughs> impacted, uh, yeah. you know, by the kids. So uh, just a great experience um, really makes you appreciate what we have mm-hmm. and, the ability to go over there and, and witness to them, but also be witness to yeah. uh, from them as well. Um, so just a huge thank you to Uncommon Sports Group. At that time, managers on a mission, uh, Drew Bow and his vision. I always mm. mention that anytime I talk about USG uh, because he's created a platform that has touched a lot of people in this industry and, and now even outside of equipment, you know, in just in the sports industry in general and reaching around the world to, to impact people's lives. Amen. That's awesome, Andrew. And, you know, I think I, I love what you said because I think we can take that mindset into so many international trips of, yeah, I'm going to change the, you know, these people and I'm going to have such an impact. And yeah, it's totally true. Like, part of the reason why we do these international trips is because it does impact that local community in in a lot of different ways. But I think even more so to your point, it it impacts you and it helps you grow in your relationship with Christ and and even just your understanding of uh, the challenges that people across the globe are facing. Um, Oftentimes they're even more so than what we face here. So thank you for sharing that. Um, You know, I think the hard part of any mission trip uh, is taking it back to where you're, you're working because you get back into the grind, especially in equipment of, man, you're in there all season and, and it's a busy time. How did you keep what you took from that Malawi trip and, and apply it to what you were doing uh, with the Jets that next season? Yeah, I think my biggest uh, thing that I learned was patience. Uh, yeah. in, in our industry, you know, we're on a tight schedule. I mean, mm. we got from the time the clock hits zero to the time the, the bus is rolling on your way to the airport, you got about 60 minutes to get off the field, yeah. get all the player stuff packed, all the trunks, the truck packed and, and get out of there. So uh, I noticed the difference in just like my overall personality with, you know, control what you can control, mm. uh, which, you know, going to Africa to teach you that, their sense of time and our sense of time are totally different. Totally uh, different. You know, so control what you can control. And like I said, just taking that patience and and paying attention. It, it lets you pay attention to detail and stuff like that. So things where you wouldn't think it would help you in your job, it's actually helping you because, mm-hmm. you know, you're seeing yeah. the little stuff because you're taking the time to, to pay attention to detail and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I would just say overall, just the feeling of gratefulness like i said for for what we have and just like the ability to work on that grand stage of the nfl like i mean tons of people out there in the world that i know would love to do that and being one of the people that were blessed enough to to get that opportunity Mm. uh you know going on that trip just made me appreciate it even more because i know some of those 
kids and stuff like that had dreams of being pro athletes and yeah. and just getting out of their situation. So yeah. uh, it just gave you a, a good viewpoint into other parts of the world and, and how blessed you truly are. Hmm. I love that, Andrew. It's a great reflection. And, you know, I love what you said, too, of how hectic sports can be. And you mentioned, you know, getting off the field in 60 minutes and how that kind of gave you a sense of, um, you know, control what you can control. Don't get so caught up in these in these things that we like see as so important. Uh, at the end of the day, it, it is important, right? Do your job well, but uh, the world's not going to end, right? If it's 61 minutes and not 60, so there, there there's a value, I think, to having that perspective. So, uh, love to hear that impact. You know, I think that's the heartbeat of what we do is not just giving you that experience, but that it would allow you uh, to to do your job better when you go back. It's well said. And Andrew, back to your career story. In 2018, you accepted a position with Texas State University as the head equipment uh, manager for the football program. What led you to want to get involved at the collegiate level once again? And how did you prepare yourself for a leadership position? Uh, well, it wasn't much preparing. I kind of just jumped in feet first. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I, I reported there like March 16th. Uh, that was a Friday. And we started spring ball that following Monday. Wow. Um, but, you know, just the decision to go there, I will say it was it was tough to to leave, you know, the NFL to mm. to take a step back and and uh, go down to the college level. But for me, I wanted to build myself career wise and learn and and stuff like that. And, mm. you know, at the Jets, I was, you know, the third assistant. So. I wasn't really in the ordering and dealing with budgets and stuff like that. So I knew if I ever wanted to run my own equipment room at the NFL level or, you know, P5 level, mm -hmm. I was going to have to get that experience at some point. So yeah. uh, Texas State just so happened to work out uh, to where it was a good opportunity. It wasn't far from home. Uh, back in my home state, our director of football ops there at the time was the former equipment guy. Uh, Zach Lucas, I went to, he was a student manager with me at Oklahoma State. So we wow. knew each other. So I had that support system. And yeah. and the assistant there was also a student with us at, at Oklahoma State. So I knew for that to be my first head job, I had a good support network around me. And, and uh, it was a good person, good place to go learn. Absolutely, Andrew. I love that, how you kind of thought of your end, right, of what you wanted to end up doing as you took that position. I think that's just wise working in sports and great advice for our listeners of as you kind of process opportunities, think about how this could benefit you, what your end goal is, right? And you thought through, you know, working with former individuals you were working with at Oklahoma State, that support system, and then also getting that experience with uh, the head job there that would hopefully benefit you to, to be where you are now, right, Power Five, and as well as get back into the NFL. So well said on that front. And you know, Andrew, you were eventually promoted to the director of equipment ops position at Texas State University. And you know, I think so many times young people can struggle to know how to get promotions or what to really do. And maybe this answer is more obvious than we think. But how did you set yourself up to receive that promotion? And do you have any advice for our listeners on how they can uh, get, get promotions in their, their current roles? Yeah, so uh, with us, it was mainly a, a fact of, you know, wanting to build the department and, and grow as a as a athletic department, but also as an equipment room. Mm -hmm. And we kind of restructured some things and we made some hires that assistant that allowed us to change some titles and stuff like that. But, you know, like I said before, it's all about just keeping your head down, working hard, doing mm -hmm. your job, proving your work to people, you know, yeah. uh, a lot of this is a thankless profession. Uh, a lot of times totally. you don't totally. get much 
attention unless something has gone wrong. So uh, you just you just know to keep your head down, do your job, mm. and and the right people are looking, the right people notice, and you know that type of stuff is uh, rewarded. But I would say, don't be scared to reach out to your supervisor, and you know if you you know you're doing a good job, you know you see things that can change and be better within your organization speak up because mm-hmm. uh, they might just not be seeing you know the little things that are there yeah. like i said we restructured the department got uh higher salaries for assistants and made assistant positions that were intern positions before mm-hmm. uh and it, it just took a conversation of hey this is where we're at this is where we need to be this is where i'd like to be mm-hmm. let's look into this yeah. but with that like i said you have to carry that weight of you know them trusting you and knowing that mm. you're doing what's best for them what's yeah. best for you what's best for the department and uh so they have to believe in you as a worker and stuff like that so it's all about just putting all the building blocks together and and having those conversations mm. i love what you said on, on proving your worth i think that's that's so important right you, you don't just get a promotion one one day because you just get a promotion right there there's an element of proving yourself and and obviously like as a as a christian right and as a you know someone who's following jesus you don't want to be too caught up in that Um, our worth is in christ but i do think there's so much value in trying to prove to people that you are worth that promotion worth that position um so yeah i think that's that's so well said and and a really really solid takeaway for our listeners of put your head down right work for it um and that's a huge part of, of any job in sports um and definitely would agree that equipment is thankless many times um, super important job. It's it's more important than many people realize, but definitely can be thankless at times. And, you know, Andrew, what, what's awesome about your story, you just mentioned that you want to be at the Power 5 level, and you recently accepted a position at the University of Houston Big 12 School, uh, now as an assistant athletics director for equipment operations. How did you know that this position was the right one for you and that it was time to leave Texas State? Uh, I'm a big proponent of you know i'm a buzzword guy so you know bloom where you're planted and Mm -hmm. you know i felt like uh from the time i got to texas state to the point at which i left it i me and the department had done some really good things uh and you know i just felt like i was ready to take that next step Mm -hmm. um so you know when this opportunity came about um just prayed about it. I prayed about leaving the Jets and going to Tech State. And uh, no matter the job or where I'm going, my, mm. I always pray that, you know, whatever the decision may be, and if I get the job, you know, hopefully it will help whoever the new person is that's looking for a job elsewhere to get my old job. And if I don't get the new job, then, you know, good luck and prayers for the person that that, that, that ends up getting it. Yeah. So. I always pray that, you know, I wanted to to help a person or, you know, to comfort me and, and help the new person. So, um, you know, that's just a part of it. But like I said, I knew it was time to to make that next step again. Like mm-hmm. at Texas State, I was, uh, you know, director of equipment operations, but there I still only really handle football. Mm-hmm. So uh, I knew it was time to to check off that next box and, and, uh, you know, take that next step. And once again, Houston, a little bit closer to home. So, uh, not too far from family and, uh, you know, with the, the move to them going to the big 12, Mm -hmm. uh, it was just a good opportunity for me and all the 
guys that I knew from the Big 12 when I was a student that are directors and stuff like that welcome welcome me with open arms. So it's been mm. really good. That's awesome, Andrew. I, I love what you said on praying through the opportunity. That's hard to do, especially when it's tempting and it's like a job you really want to go to the Lord in that and, and humbly ask for, for his permission or even just open that door. Uh, that's a hard thing to do. So kudos to you for going to the Lord in that. And then I think, too, just being wise to realize it was time for that next step, right? you got to know what you want out of your career journey. Uh, you know, sometimes it's just like, I, I like where I'm at, and that's good. And sometimes it's I'm ready to, to make that next step. So a lot of wisdom in what you said. And for our listeners, um, to really be intentional on considering what you want out of your career, what that next step should be, and when the right timing is, right? Maybe the time isn't right. It's not the perfect job. It's okay to be patient as well. So thanks for sharing no, on for that. for sure. And, I, I mean, I tell people all the time like the grass isn't always greener like yeah you can't jump on the first thing you hear and there was other opportunities i had during texas state that just weren't right for me like yeah. i said whether that's the divine intervention of prayer and him sending some type mm. of message like hey this isn't isn't what you want or mm. this isn't for you uh, but yeah just just be confident in yourself and your abilities and Mm-hmm. I, I tell a lot of people don't get pigeonholed into one area don't yeah. be afraid to look at opportunities because you know you can get complacent and comfortable in a place but that place can also get complacent and comfortable with you yeah. and kind of lose your value and stuff like that so mm-hmm. you always want to keep that in mind and just you know it's it's a business where we have to look out for ourselves like nobody yeah. wants to say that but it, that is the case like especially 100%. when you know you want to take steps and stuff like that so i would just say be careful you know with getting comfortable like mm. you don't ever want to get too comfortable uh, a guy once told me our our comfort zone and our construction zone are two different area codes so 100%. you know you got to step out of your little bubble and your surroundings sometime to to grow and take that next step 100%. I love that quote. It's so true. I mean, especially, I think when you're in the equipment room, I mean, I've never been in one, Andrew, so I, I might be talking in a, in a wrong direction here, but I think it could be probably pretty easy to get comfortable because you're so busy. You don't have time to think about anything else or how to think about your value and what else you might be looking for. So yeah, to step out of that comfort zone into that construction zone is uh, easier said than done. So thanks for sharing that. And I think your story is a testament to doing that, obviously, with the, the transitions that you've been through. I'll keep you in mind next intern spot I got open. We'll get you in the equipment world. Please do. I'm not sure how Drew would feel, but please <laughs> please do. <laughs> and Andrew, I talked about Malawi, obviously, is your first trip with Managers on a Mission slash Uncommon Sports Crew back in 2017. But just a few weeks ago, you returned from another international trip with USG to Israel. Uh, talk to us about the impact of that experience in the Holy Land and how the Lord used it to help you grow in your walk with Christ. Yeah, I mean, that trip was amazing. I'd say it's it's like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I'd love to go back at some point. Uh, but just I, I feel like everybody that went on that trip grew internally and, mm. and personally and stuff like that. And we were a very good group. Uh, everybody meshed together well. Uh, where somebody had deficits, somebody else had sailed in that area. And, mm. and we kind of just picked up the slack and it was chaos and poetry and motion working with the camp kids and stuff like that. Absolutely. Uh, So, you know, it was just amazing. I'll say that. Um, But as far as me personally, uh, just being able to 
see and connect with the things you've read your whole life and heard your whole life just has a whole different feeling when you're looking at it. Mm. Uh, it's hard to explain, but it's just one of those deals where you feel it. Mm. Uh, and so going to the different sites and, and, uh, I will say everywhere in the Bible where it says Mount this, Mount that, it is truly a mountain because we were we were walking uphill yeah. all day every day. Um, I think awesome. our biggest day was seven point two miles, twenty nine flights, and fifteen thousand steps. Man. So uh, we definitely work. got it in uh, yeah. in all the, the the terrain and stuff. But uh, just seeing all those different places and. Uh, Sahar, our, our tour guide, was amazing. Uh, I mean, when we went to these places, he's got his Bible open, he's reading. So just basically just bringing the whole picture to life right there in front of you. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of times we worshiped in some of the areas. Uh, one of our guys brought guitar and led worship in, in some of the spots. So it was just a really good time. Mm -hmm. so, it's so amazing just how unique Israel is because of the biblical roots that it has. And just, as you said, being able to read the scripture exactly where the scripture happened, I mean, that's like once in a lifetime for sure. Yeah. So thanks for sharing on that. And, and kind of a follow-up question, you've been to Malawi, which is obviously very different than Israel. How did those two trips compare in your mind? Um, It's hard to compare the two. It's two totally different places. Yeah, uh, totally. You know, Malawi is a very, very poor nation. Uh, so, I mean, there wasn't much structure beyond, you know, a couple stores in the town, the open mm. air market. Uh, you know, the Rafiki village we stayed at was amazing. But just on the other side of the walls, you see the the huts and stuff that you see, yeah. you know, on TV versus Israel, where it's it's not third world country, you know, stuff like that. So it's much more commercialized and, mm. and that stuff. Um, so I would say we spent a lot more time with the kids and it was a little bit longer trip in Malawi. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you connected to the, to the kids more and made those personal connections there. Yeah. Whereas I feel like in the Israel group, we connected more with our group mm. and kind of, you know, made connections amongst each other and, and learn from each other. And like I said, just kind of flowed and picked up where somebody else might've left off and it just all worked very well. That's awesome, Andrew. Thanks for sharing on that. And you know, I think for our listeners too, there are some places, right. That, that have such a different environment, right. Israel being obviously a pretty well-developed country and Malawi being different than that. There's different things you learn, different things you face that are challenging. Um, so certainly appreciate your, your insight on that. And my last question on Israel is, what was your favorite biblical site? I would, I would probably, there's a couple different things, so that's a hard question to answer. Yeah. But I, if I had to nail down one, it would probably be the garden tomb. Yeah. And uh, I say that because I was a little surprised at how commercialized a lot of the places were and a lot of the sites. And they're all basically national parks now, like all the different uh not the synagogues, but like the different fortresses and stuff that we got to go see. But the garden tomb, they kept it very somber. Mm. It was, uh, you know, quiet. Uh, we had a different guide for that that kind of showed us all the stuff, but it just had a different feeling about it. And I think you could feel 
the spirit moving there and, and stuff like mm. that. We we did communion there. Wow. Uh, so it's just a, a really good experience. And like I said, uh, that place, I think they know the significance of it. And so yeah. they kind of keep it pure and, and natural yeah. and kind of, you know, for everybody to enjoy. Absolutely. I can only imagine being where Jesus was, was resurrected has to be a powerful place to, to stand. So uh, thanks for sharing on that, right? And and I think for our listeners, too, the impact of international missions is definitely seen in your life, uh, being on two mission trips, and uh, specifically just in, in the way that I've seen I've seen you grow and I, from heard from Drew and Mikey and the staff of how you've grown. It's, it's encouraging. So thanks for sharing on that. And Andrew, my last question for you is, it isn't easy being a follower of Christ in sports. I think especially when it comes to the heavy hours, time demands, uh, that come with being an equipment manager as, as you've been for most of your uh, professional life. And so how have you stayed faithful to Christ all these years and what advice would you give a young professional in equipment on how to do the same? I would say, yes, it, it is very time consuming and depending on what level you're at and where you're at, you know, if you're in the NFL level, your, your main day of work is Sunday. And we, we know that, you know, that's the main church time and stuff like that. So you just have to find your place. Uh, and whether that be, you know, daily devotional with yourself, you know, uh, luckily for me, like I said, my dad's a pastor, they stream service online so I can go back and watch that or, or catch it live or whatnot. Um, but you just have to make time. And like I said, whether that's a Wednesday night service or Wednesday night study or, you know, small group or something like that. But uh, you have to find your people. You have to find your group. Hmm. Uh, And, you know, it can be tough, but uh, you didn't get here on your own. So you got to you got to give the man who who allowed it all to happen his his due time. So uh, you just have to to make it work. And like I said, whether it be five, ten minutes of reading your Bible in the morning or at night before you go to bed. Like you just have to find your time to connect. Absolutely. I love that, Andrew. I think that's so applicable to really any job in sports, but especially the equipment of making the time to connect. And and I think too, personally and in community is something I want to highlight because you got to get your personal time as well, where you can learn, soak in the word, be in prayer, but also doing it with, with other believers is so vital um, and your point as well that working in the NFL, right, your, your main day at work is Sunday. A lot of other sports you practice on Sunday. There, there's not a lot of regulations against that. Um, so finding time outside of that, right? It doesn't have to be Sunday 9 a.m. service. It can be any time of the week when you're walking with the Lord faithfully, when you're with him, growing in, in his word and in that community. So well said. Um, and definitely don't make it legalistic. I always meant to say that of make it relational and, and make it real. Uh, you don't have to just check the box every day of I did my five minutes of prayer, my 10 minutes of quiet time, like make it relational, make it what you want it to be. Um, and, and the Lord doesn't judge us based on our works, right? Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, uh, we're saved by, by grace through faith, not by works. So just want to encourage people that as well. Even if you miss a quiet time, God still loves you, right? There, there's still that relationship. So thanks for sharing on that. I would, you know, recommend a study Bible, just something that makes you dig a little bit more when you read, like yeah. whether it's just one little prompt they throw up there that, yeah. you know, gets you thinking and stuff like that. Because, mm. I mean, once you dive into the Word, there's, you don't, you don't know what rabbit hole you'll oh, uh, end up in. And that that's another one of these, uh, the takeaways from that trip is just now that 
we've seen it, I feel like we can connect to it differently. And, yeah. you know, it makes you want to go back and, and read about where you were and the different mm. instances and stuff that went on in those places. That's amazing. And definitely would, would highly recommend a study Bible. It can be a lifesaver in so many cases. So I uh, love that. I love that call out as well. And Andrew, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast today. And, and for those of you that don't know Andrew, he, he's someone who's funny to be around, hilarious guy, works his tail off, and cares deeply about, about everyone he's around. So definitely connect with him. I'm sure he's available to connect. And if people did want to connect with, with you, what's the best best mode to connect? Um, You can, I mean, you can hit me up on Twitter, uh, email. Both of those are the same. So my Twitter is Drew EQ. Uh, Drew underscore EQ, and then uh, my email is DrewEQ at UH.edu. So uh, you can find me on the Houston website, uh, or like I said, Twitter. Uh, might take me a while to reach back out because we start fall camp uh, yeah. next week, but at some point I will get back to you. I appreciate that, Andrew. Thanks for your time, brother, and go Cougs. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you want to get involved with Uncommon Sports Group and the mission that we are on to help you navigate the sport industry as followers of Christ, apply for our academy on our website at uncommonsg.org. That's uncommonsg.org. Be sure to catch new episodes of the Uncommon Podcast every other week on Thursdays at midnight Eastern time. Until next time, we pray that you will strive to be uncommon by glorifying the name of God in whatever you may do. See you next time.